Who cares about this stupid election? We all know it doesn't matter who gets elected president of Carver. Do you really think it's going to change anything around here? Make one single person smarter, or happier, or nicer? The only person it does matter to is the one who gets elected. The same pathetic charade happens every year, and everyone makes the same pathetic promises just so they can put it on their transcripts to get into college. So vote for me, because I don't even want to go to college, and I don't care. And as president, I won't do anything. The only promise I will make is that, if elected, I will immediately dismantle the student government so that none of us will ever have to sit through one of these stupid assemblies again. That was a clip from 1999's election directed by Alexander Payne, where Tammy Meltzer is telling some cold, hard truths about democracy in her student election. This week, we're reviewing political satire Irresistible, a film where the politics are a bit bigger, but the campaign is just as superficial. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films. You're listening to Cellcast, with me, Lawrence. And me, Sam. Or don't vote for me! Who cares? Don't vote at all! So, this week, we watched Irresistible. Sam's going to tell you the plot. A political strategist, played by Steve Carell from the Democratic Party, is reeling after the disastrous 2016 election. He goes to small-town Wisconsin to convince a farmer to become the contender for the mayoral race in a bid to try and find a way to get his party back in touch with Forgotten America. When his rival from the Republican Party arrives, the money and scrutiny on the race starts to expand and get out of control. Or, as a haiku, politics broken, viral farmer, a fresh hope, bare-knuckle spin docks. And here's a clip. Gary. You seem to be doing a brisk business. Dear Lockin always. So apparently Dear Lockin Uberalis was copyrighted. Well, we were going to go with I'm with him until we remembered how stupid it sounded. No, 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 no. I love it. I love the whole town genealogy angle. It's got a real bold, you ain't from around here flavor. (laughs) Subtle notes of xenophobia. Not to mention the cognitive dissonance that your booth is basically a love letter to immigration. That's a great observation. So all these people are hypocrites? I'd run with that. All you have is fear. Now we're getting somewhere. (laughs) 20 bucks says I do better with fear than you do with shame. Okay. 30 years. You really think you can run a campaign that paints them as a carpetbagger? Probably not, but I think I can run one that says you are. Yeah, so this is uh, John Stewart's first film since Rosewater in 2014. Because we've had to wait quite a while for his next one. But then I didn't see Rosewater. Did you see Rosewater? Do you know what? I actually can't remember if I did or not. And that might say more about me. But if I did see it and have completely blanked it, I think maybe that probably says a lot about the film itself. It sounds like quite a worthwhile film. That was about an Iranian journalist who was imprisoned. Um, It sounded very worthwhile... It just, obviously, I, I don't think it made much of an impact at all. Uh, it was John Stewart's first film, uh, so maybe we can cut with some slack. But um, did yeah. this sort of penetrate anymore, or...? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not really fair. I think it was a step in the right direction, 
But ultimately, I think it falls a bit flat. And it's interesting to watch something like this, because Jon Stewart is one of the most important voices in political comedy ever. And he was made a household name by critiquing the Bush era of American politics with The Daily Show, which was like an American political comedy show, which is still running, but just without him as a host. He went off to direct films and be in Hollywood. It's not going well. I think what we're going to do is we're going to We'll warn you before we get into spoilers, but we kind of feel a bit that the second half of this, we're going to spoil it a little bit. But we'll warn you before we do that, just so that we can actually understand it a bit more. Yeah, and I think it's important to do so because the twist completely changes the film. I think we can talk about this film in one sense. All these events happened before the final conclusion. And once, yeah, that's happened it sort of completely changes your perspective. Yeah. So we'll talk about kind of what happens. I mean, quite quickly, once the film starts, we get the sense that sort of Gary's in a bit of a like a bad spot, really. I mean, he is quite out of touch, but you sympathise with him. There's a scene in which he's in a room with the sort of the type of ignorant liberals, which represent everything that's wrong with the Democratic Party in the United States. Yeah. They're sort of like so PC that they're almost like unbearable. I struggled a little bit with Gary's character in that in that respect because there was sometimes early on that I felt that Gary actually did have a political soul. He started to kind of reveal it that he actually had some ideals, and I thought I was going to see a few more of those. I thought maybe I'd see that side of Gary, but actually we didn't. I wasn't really sure where to place Gary, and to be honest, I'm not really sure that the film had a clear idea where to place Gary either. It would have been nice to see a more complicated idea of him, but he kind of started out as ignorant, and then kind of started to reveal himself as perhaps an idealist, and then quickly became just a spin doctor and an animal, and then by the end is just kind of a slime ball. But do you think that happens because Faith comes to uh, Deer Lake? And do you think that's because when Faith, plays by Rose Byrne, comes to town and she takes him on and she sort of backs the Republican mayor, that's when it be- the film starts to become sort of very messy in the sense that um, there's more scrutiny and there's more, there's more money involved in the election. And because that happens, that's when people's ideals and their values start to become a little bit marred. Perhaps, and I guess the film communicated this a little bit, but not enough. And actually, I didn't really feel like I had a very well-rounded idea of Gary, or that Gary was a character that I really wanted to follow by the end. But that's not really my biggest problem, I think, with the film. I I think the problem that I mainly have is that Jon Stewart is just a very famous liberal figure, and... When he was running The Daily Show, he really got under conservative skin. I think you can trace a lot of that quote-unquote snarky, liberal, gotcha sort of politics to Stewart and his show. And you can tell that, and you can tell that he got under the skin of a lot of conservatives, because a lot of conservatives ended up imitating him. A lot of the conservative pundits and journalists, uh, you can still see that today that the 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 influence he's had on that now we've got this all-out culture war of horror kind of run by donald trump and i feel a bit like that john stewart 
has made a conscious decision because of 2016 and everything that happened in 2016 that for this project, for his next comedy film, he wants to kind of build a bit of a bridge between the two sides. He wants to try and do that kind of healing. He's making something that doesn't punch out at the Donald or his fan base, but kind of punch at the system. And thereby the idea is to join people together. And you can you kind of feel that that's his intention with this. I mean, the system has got us to where we are today, right? Yes, that's true. And I don't think that that's wrong. But it also, to be honest, ends up just feeling like a bit of a waste. Because I'm like, I kind of feel like you're a very important political comedian. I think you actually need to be commentating on what is actually fucking going on in politics right now which is the rise of fascism, which is populism, which is Donald Trump and all that stuff going on. And I don't feel that, that this film really wanted to engage with that because he wanted to turn this into a bit of an olive branch. But actually, I don't think that's a good aim for a political comedian like him to make a film about. I don't think it's an olive branch. I kind of think that he's just destroying both sides in this context. And again, we'll get onto it later about what the twist or the conclusion of the film means. But I think this is just Jon Stewart um, having a go at how elections are run in America and how insane and out of control they get. He could do a film about Trump. He could try criticism and, you know, and say, look, this is because of Trump, this is all the reasons that America is going wrong. But actually what he wants to do is have a go at the system that's got us here. And I think that is still quite interesting. Yeah, I I, I, I suppose. But then I, I came out of the film feeling quite malnourished. Well, yeah, I agree with you because I think there is kind of this, this bland feeling about it. And the problem is, is that when you're a filmmaker or you write a film and you ever go at both sides, it's like, well... What do you stand for, really? What's the... Well, I, think, I, think, I think films can become quite boring when you don't really take a, take a point on something. I mean, I hate to sound like someone that's trying to make the problem worse. But to be honest, I think you do need to take some sides. I think you do, ultimately, you're not going to please everyone. And I think that the way that this film has been reviewed... And the fact that I I don't really think it's going to make much of an impact is probably partly to do with the thirteen ninety nine price tag <laughs> to rent the film. You know that that is ridiculous. But I'm going to come on to that in a in a little bit. But I I I think that this film isn't really going to land with anyone because I think these days you probably do need to pick a side, and I think you need to pick an objective that is achievable and relatable to a lot of the stuff going on right now. I know that electoral reform is important and meaningful, but it's way down the list of priorities of the fights that are coming up, the fights that we're having right now. It's not a thing that's really in anyone's crosshairs. And I do agree that it's important. And it would, if I was in charge, electoral reform would be something I'd be interested in but I really think it's just not—it's—it's it's just not really on the agenda right now, and I—and I feel like he's kind of screaming into the abyss. Because the mayoral race, in the end, is a MacGuffin, right? It's because as more and more money is being pumped into this race, like after when Faith comes to town, 
exposing and satirising the ludicrousness of elections becomes more a priority for John Stewart, right? Th- but again, this, that's this not really that, that's not really big and clever. I mean, as well. I mean, like there are more specific things he gets into later. But basically, saying that the media is a bit crap, elections are corrupt, and there's too much money in politics. It's kind of like, well, yeah, and the sky's blue and water's wet. John Stewart's a very funny, really brilliant mind when it comes to politics and and comedy. I feel like his talents are going to waste in today's day and age when he just aims his crosshairs at that. That might sound a bit reductive, and maybe it is. I think the problem is is that when he juxtaposes the, the, uh, that sort of content with the funnier, more broader scenes, they don't really work. They sort of feel a bit out of kilter. I mean, oh, the, I Rose hated Byrne, the, the Rose Byrne and Steve Carell dynamic is good, because I think they do feed with each other quite well. Uh, and that makes perform more of the entertaining scenes in the film. Yeah, they're brilliant. But, yeah, but they're also, great. there are scenes which he kind of goes for more slapstick, and those kind of really fall away really badly. And I, I don't know if you can really mix sort of broad comedy with the satire that he's trying to do. I mean, only like a really clever and established filmmaker can do that. I don't think Jon Stewart can mix the broader comedy with that stuff. And I think the problem wasn't just with Gary, but also with some of the other characters as well, who felt a bit a, a bit like there were some really great people in here, and there were some... And, and some of them were playing some really good characters, but I didn't really feel like we got enough out of them. And then you also had this broad comedy going on. It made me feel a bit like it's not really in Jon Stewart's arsenal to pull off stuff like that. So there's some really great people and really funny dynamics, like Rose Byrne and Steve Carell, who I think are great. I think Rose Byrne is brilliant. She's... A, a great actor that really is in a lot of comedy films, but always like really stands out. She's quite versatile, and she can play roles that you feel like, oh, well, no one else could play that person at all, and make them really, really funny. Like when I think about her in, they're not all films I like really, really love, but things like Bridesmaids playing yeah. the bitchy rival to Kristen Wiig's Maid of Honor, or like basically a Bond villain, but funny in Spy, or and also get it, uh, get him to the Greek. Yeah, no, she's brilliant in that. She's meant to be a very glamorous pop star, but at the same time, she also is really, which you believe, but she's also really, really ridiculous, and that's really funny. Like it's stuff that only Rose Byrne could do, and I think she's great as as this as like a Republican strategist. I think she's. She pulls that off really, really well. But the problem is, like I say, it's not really in in John Stewart's arsenal to pull something like that, this off. It. I think the broader comedy, I just sighed at when it started to do that. Like stuff like, oh, they have dial-up internet, or oh, I've got all the way up the stairs, but the door's locked. Oh no! Or she's oh, got a hand in the cow's ass. Oh, she's got a hand in the cow's ass. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh no, I can't make my Google Home talk to my Siri or something. It's just like, none of this is good. None of it, like, none of this is worth my time. It almost, actually, a lot of it just feels, like, really beneath John to, like, kind of do some stuff like this. Well, I mean, I I do think it's, the film's at its funniest and at its best when it's sort of poking fun at liberal pomposity. So, like, my favourite scene is when, like, the money goes up and up and up and the mayoral race becomes more high stakes. Uh, Gary flies Jack, played by Chris Cooper, to New York to show him off the left-wing East Coast elite. 
And Jack makes a speech where he says that ultimately, no matter how many donations he receives from these people, it won't help Deer Laken. There's a cut where the camera focuses on Jack and Gary is crying out of shot. And, and I thought, oh, he's crying because he's offended and hasn't got that donation. But actually, Gary is crying as he's happy because the elite love that speech and gave the money for, for the campaign. It's good satire showing off that like, the political elite love a heartwarming speech, but rarely apply the message. And actually, I think that was like a very clever and well-shot scene. And I thought the whole film was going to be like that, but instead it's more of a mixed experience. It's Also, that scene, I think, is about how the left love to self-flagellate. Like, there's nothing that left-wing liberal white people love more than going, yeah, we're such pieces of shit. We're, so, we're the oppressors. This is terrible. That's a great way to get them to give money to stuff. Yeah, our, mo- yeah. And our, and our, I our can... money doesn't matter to these towns. Uh, how much was that? How much did you that for? <laughs> and I can tell you that because I'm one of those uh, white liberal people as well. I wanted to just to talk as well about the um, it being released. I mean, we're still in lockdown. Uh, cinemas have just started opening, but ultimately they've chosen to release this on demand. But the problem is, is that they still clearly want to bring it out as more of a premium movie so you can rent it for 13.99 now that is the price of a cinema ticket but at the same time you're not <laughs> you're not getting the experience of going to the cinema and you're competing against subscription services that people already have so people could watch irresistible but I feel like most people are just kind of going to go, oh, well, I'm just going to watch something that's free on Netflix. Like, I, I guess as well, if this had gotten better reviews, I feel people might be interested in paying that thirteen ninety nine price tag and not just people that want to review it, like us. So I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is that I feel a little bit ridiculous because I did want to talk about this film. But of all the films that we've reviewed, I feel like... This is almost the one that people are least likely to watch that are listening to this because you have to pay this premium price to watch it. I also think it kind of hurts it because it's like, well, the reviews aren't really good enough, so I don't think a lot of people are going to rush to buy this. But if this is some kind of olive branch, I don't think anyone on the left or the right is going to want to pay this premium price to watch this film. I I just feel like this film isn't going to make much of an impact, and I think that's a bit of a barrier in its way. Yeah, I mean, from a business point of view, I mean, it's a a disaster, but I don't really blame the, the studio for that, or whoever has decided the price to rent it. Because, ultimately, they want to make this money back, and they're not going to do it, really, by putting the price for this film as the same as other VODs. I'm sure there is a good business reason. It's just, it's really, it, it, it's, it, it, it might almost seem ridiculous for me to mention it because we don't talk about the price of other things, but it just feels weird. It just it almost feels like something worth mentioning that's weird that I really feel like there are less people that are going to see this than any other film that we've talked about because of, of what it is and how much it costs. We're going to talk about the spoilers now. So... If you want to skip to if you like this, and if you didn't, then I'm going to tell you the time when to skip to. 
go to 32 minutes and 37 seconds if you want to get our conclusions and the rest of the podcast. At the end of the film, the town basically dupes Gary. They film Jack giving this altruistic speech and give it to a staffer of Gary's who's originally from the town. The voting deer lake is tied and they can use the money from the campaigns to put back into the community and bring back some of the jobs and venues which have been lost to globalisation or other reasons. And it's at that point where you sort of sit back and you think, wow, this isn't a film about sort of Democrats or Republicans or the culture war that you've mentioned. Yeah. This is actually about money in elections. This is about how sums of money just get out of control and how like people people never benefit from elections in the end because all these promises are made and all all that matters is that you get the donations and help the people who've donated which are often people in corporations or people that want to see some sort of legislation um, and ultimately even though this money could go and help like people within these communities it never does it goes to the political machine right because yeah. it also shows the a team which are like political analysts and data analysts and people like that and the money goes to hiring people like them they talk about like the election economy so yeah the town kind of duped them actually my favorite bit of the film was probably actually the after credit sequence where which i think was quite a funny meta thing to do john stewart then directly interviews a politician that used to work for an electoral he, finance yeah, the, commission involved in campaign finance basically. involved in campaign finance and John Stewart asks him, could this happen in real life? And he says, yes, it absolutely could. The way that the town does it is that there are political donations given to what's called a super PAC. And then the super PAC can give that to a charity of their choice at, at any point. And the the parties have no say in that. And the donations can't be reclaimed. So they could just give it to anyone they wanted. I I mean, like, I'm a bit fuzzy on the details of of a super PAC, but that's essentially what they describe. And then they also go on to describe how the fact that actual electoral reform is really, really hard to do because the system was really, like, grinded to a halt in terms of the various groups and commissions that could come along and make a change can't, that everyone's gridlocked and... It's not helped by the fact that some people are getting really, really rich off this and other people really, really need this money to make this stuff work. So there's not as much of an incentive to change. And it's quite interesting. It is It is a funny, it's, it's a good moment. Yeah, I mean, this is why I think it almost could have been better as a documentary. Because a lot of people might even miss this. If they had been in cinemas, probably like people would have been like, nah, I'm going to leave my seat, I'm going to leave. And actually, when that happens and you have this like very short interview within the credits with the guy from Campaign Finance, it's actually very, very fascinating. It's one of the only times throughout my yeah my experience of watching the film that I was like really glued in. And I was like... Yeah, and me fa- too. Me and basically too. the fact that um, this guy admits that the events in the film, this, the, the, this crazy scenario that it could be one vote each... And all the money raised through the election goes back to the community. The fact that that could happen—that's that's insane in a way. And I thought, oh well, actually, like if you really, if John Stewart really cares about this issue, which he does, it, he doesn't need to go through this bullshit of like uh, like creating characters and creating a story and like elaborating on sort of plot and theme. He could actually make a documentary. He could make a documentary about um, the, like the best way to change elections. 
And I think it would make more of an impact than he does. I mean, it's great that he can get people like Steve Carell and Rose Byrne, who are very talented. But actually, in essence, his his passion is about the fact how money changes elections and how it ultimately influences democracy. And go research and present something about that in an entertaining way. Don't make a sort of 90-minute comedy that um, yeah just doesn't really make much of an impact. Yeah, your pitch for... A documentary made by John Stewart about electoral reform sounds so much more interesting than the film we just reviewed. The, the the whole packaging of making it a comedy and having to stuff all this broad stuff in that just dilutes the message and makes the whole experience feel like flabby and a bit of a missed opportunity. And I, I still think it is a miss, bit of a missed opportunity because I think we live in a time where what he made a comedy about really isn't the stuff that he needs to be, he should be pointing out that's going on in politics right now. But a documentary would have been so much more interesting and he could have touched on so much more and I think it would have been a much more worthwhile experience. I mean, there's still things I learned from this film and actually, like, I think it's a good reminder about how, yeah, elections maybe in America are so different to elections in the UK. The money involved, even though it's still like a vast amount within this country, the fact in America it changes so much. I think there's a few lines in there about how actually in an election it's not what you pitch. It's not your like pledges or your policy. Ultimately it's who you can attract to give you the most amount of money. Because the more money you have, the more likely you are to win. And, and I... that's and that's that's a corrupt system. Yeah, it is. I'm a bit softer on it than you because I think you have to make people listen, and it costs money to do that. Maybe it shouldn't cost as much money, but it does. I have become a bit more of a centrist over the past few years. I don't want people to drop their ideals, but I do want people to win. And I think there's things that can be sacrificed in order to do that. I don't really mind people playing the game as long as someone that's liberal and progressive gets over the finish line at the end of it because you can sit there and kind of complain about how the game's run and that it's corrupt and then you'll lose and that's great but then a lot of bad stuff happens so and I want to avoid that so I I kind of want to get people over the line that's again maybe a bit of my problem with the film is it's not inspirational enough because I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, well, really. yeah. I mean, it's it's just screaming to the bit. I mean, I mean, by the end, he's basically saying like the whole of the media and the way that media covers elections is corrupt, and the whole way that the elections are run is completely corrupt, and it, and it's almost insurmountable the amount of money. But then that's also maybe the point at the end of the film, isn't it? Because irresistible, the actual title. I don't know what Ir- irresistible must says a lot of different. Maybe it's a lot of different desires within the film. Like Gary can't resist fighting with faith, right? He, that's irresistible to him. But also, there's so much money involved that, that a lot of the the bad interests kind of find it irresistible to put their finger in that pie. Maybe the town themselves, even though they know it's a little bit wrong, 
feel like it's irresistible because it's something that they have to do. Maybe that doesn't work. But the point is that the title... Maybe it's just a terrible title. Maybe it's just a terrible just title. put it on at the last minute and it doesn't actually mean anything. Well, I think that the point is is that the last minute, it kind of fades away and it's, a resist comes up. That It, it reveals and it's like, ah, oh, clever. <laughs> uh, but, but no, it's, it's resist. So maybe it is a bit of a call to arms. It's yeah, saying, yeah. reject the media reject the electoral system to me that feels a bit frustrating and again i talk about my me becoming a bit more centrist so perhaps my more left-wing friends would kind of not like this about me but that is a bit frustrating and makes me slightly pull my hair a little bit because it's like resisting against these monoliths is not achievable resisting against some of the populist elements and and a lot of the really nasty stuff that's going on is possible, but you have to play the game to do that. And then you have to win, and then you can reform things. But I don't really know what John Stewart wants us wants us to do. Like, no, but he he wants he's, us just, to... he's just exposing. He's just exposing the system for what it is, really. I mean, again, you can probably get into why. Well, why doesn't he offer like something to counter it? Why doesn't he offer a, a system or a solution to this problem? But ultimately, like. I think I learned, still learned new things about the electoral system in America, which makes it look so broken. Ultimately, with that twist, it is the question of, well, does it make the film better? Because essentially, again, all he's doing is exposing the problem. So basically, all the, like, the scenes that we've had to go through before, like, they don't really feel worthwhile in the end. Because essentially, like, we've seen an illusion, and at the end of the film, it's like, oh, this is what's really happened. The town ah, just... the prestige. Yeah, the, ta- the town is the town has screwed um, Gary and Faith over, and it feels like, well, I don't know if I need to go through ninety minutes to see that. I don't think it makes the film better because I still have the same problems. I don't think in this day and age we need one of the greatest political comedians of all time. To, to hit out at something this broad. I still feel he's trying to do an olive branch by saying, smash the system, not either side. Like, smash the system. But it's like, well, that's just not practical. And also, like, I again, I, I mean, yeah, okay, I did learn something about that, that element of elections and th- that problem. But I, I don't think it's enough. And the idea of resist, it's like, a, it's a call to arms. Well, it's not really a call to arms because I don't know how you fight something like that and i feel him having a go at all of the the things where it's like oh well the media contains a lot of bullshit and lies and whips people up into a frenzy and it's like yeah yeah we we all know that that's why 2016 happened like that's not new information that's not something you can resist against and also i don't know how you resist against it like i don't really trust switching off fox news and jumping on twitter either and and relying on citizen journalism i don't really want to go off on a tangent but again i just feel like there are achievable goals and people worth taking down that's not what this film is about but even that aside the film's flabby right as a comedy film it's not really that funny it had a lot of really good pieces and then somehow none of them really managed to make me laugh i just don't think it ever really builds to anything so like i think when you watch a policy film i think i think we talked about primary colors before and like primary colors is a film like with john travolta and amber thompson and it's sort of based on the the clinton ca- uh, electoral campaign in the in the early 90s basically and about how he went on to become like the president and actually i do think that has momentum and it builds to 
quite a ambiguous end. And I think you've you talked about it on a previous podcast about, you know, its merits. And actually, I think I could have done with that. I just don't think it's executed very well, to be honest. It feels actually way too neat. It feels like this is too simple, the way that you've, like... Turned everything on its head, and but there's and an explanation in the end credits, so it shouldn't. <laughs> this could have actually happened. That's yeah, but it doesn't actually feel like this could have actually. Oh, I don't know. If it, it didn't really feel that explosive an ending for a twist, it didn't really feel like that dynamic, or that I was like really, really shocked by it. It does make a good point. But again, it's like the rest of the film. There's not really any impact. And I'm not really sure why that is. It's got great people in it. But actually, I I just do actually lay the blame a bit at John Stewart. I just don't think he could direct a film like this. And yeah, I would have loved a documentary about electoral reform. That would have been so much better. And I bet you more people would have seen that and spread it round. I think this is a wasted opportunity. I think without... Trying not to repeat myself too much, but in short, John Stewart might have noble aims, and I think this is this film is trying to bring people together by saying, "Oh, it's the system that's corrupt." There's no problem with like either side, but it gently prods at each side. But it says that ultimately the system's the problem, and actually in today's day and age, it's like, no, I don't think the system is the problem, John. I think there are problems on one side and you you might tell me that that's not really going to bring the country together Lawrence or that's not really going to bring the political sides on all in all countries together Lawrence but I not really a person that really believes that sides will ever come together I think in 2020 you should be going after the people who deserve being gone after I think I'd be feel a bit let down by its broadness not just in its political message, but also in the rest of the comedy, which is just really, like, flabby and uninteresting and makes you feel like the whole film could have used a real reshuffle and perhaps a whole different concept would have been much better suited to Jon Stewart's ideas. I mean, I do think I learnt something, and I guess it did make a good point, and I agree with about elections, but... As a film, I, I think this is a, a soggy experience that's going to be a waste of time for most people. I'm undecided on this film. Um, I think since watching it, uh, I thought about it a lot. And I do feel like I've learned a lot about American politics and electoral system. I just don't think it's quite funny enough to be a good comedy satire. I think... By the end of the film, you are sort of sick of political strategy, media influence, and the crazy effect of money. So in that way, I think it works because you are really disenfranchised with the way that politicians are elected in America. But at the same time, I just don't think the overall experience of the film and the fact that there isn't really much of a solution makes it like very satisfying in the end. Um, I don't think this is Steve Carell or Rose Byrne's best work. Even Chris Cooper, you could say, is perhaps like a little bit underused, or you know, he perhaps lacks like some of the best lines or or scenes in the film. But he is because he's a great. It's a great idea for a character, and Chris Cooper's a great person to do it. Yeah, but you know, I guess like overall, 
this might feel like a bit of a uh, like a wasted moment and especially with the election going to happen in 2020 that maybe this could be could have been a bit more powerful but as i say i'm undecided i wonder how this film will look in five years when maybe there is electoral reform in the united states whether we look at politicians and decide that actually like the only way that they're going to really make an effect is if they have less money or there is a more pragmatic and less corrupt way of getting them elected so i don't know i I think at this time i was perhaps like a little bit unsatisfied with it but i wonder if we maybe look back at this film in 10 years time that maybe it's saying a lot more than we originally thought i think you'll be waiting a lot longer than 10 years for there to be less money in american politics a lot longer so if you like this i'd say watch bullworth from 1998 Maybe this isn't the little guy sticking it to the system, but the system certainly gets a sticking to from one of its own in this satire written, directed and starring Warren Beatty. He plays Jay Bullworth, a Democratic senator who's on the verge of losing his seat in an imminent election. Decades in the system has left him stuck in a world of politics he no longer believes in, long ago selling out to corporate interests. With nothing left to live for, he takes out a massive life insurance policy with his daughter being the sole beneficiary and hires a hitman to take himself out. But with the end in sight, he finds himself utterly free to tell people how politics really works. With no filter, he quickly finds himself becoming a media sensation, surging in popularity and his passion for politics reignited. Isn't that obvious? You got half of your kids out of work and the other half are in jail. Do you see any Democrat doing anything about it? (laughs) Certainly not me. So what are you going to do, vote Republican? Come on, come on, you're not going to vote Republican. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, I mean, come on, you can have a billion-man march if you don't put down that malt liquor and chicken wings and get behind somebody other than a running back who stabs his wife. You're never going to get rid of somebody like me. Bullworth is more about the special interests rather than elections specifically, but essentially both films have the same things in their sights. The money that goes into American politics and how it corrupts the system, abandoning the people it's supposed to serve. The main attraction of Bullworth is its soapbox speeches of the way that politics in America really work. And if you liked how Irresistible spoke truth to power, you'll enjoy that here too, though this is a less politically correct edge. Perhaps the stuff in between that is less memorable, and it presents the idea of telling it like it is as a way to enact change, which is a philosophy I grow more and more exhausted with. But Beatty is brilliant here, both when he's hilariously out of place with the people, or out of line with the establishment. It's also a wonderful snapshot of the late 90s, and a reminder that people have always felt politics has grown too corrupt and needs reform. Bullworth is a fun, acerbic slice of satire, and if Irresistible left you hungry for more bullshit busting, then this is a good place to go. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, and I think I'd like to get round to watching Bullworth at some point. Um, It sounds to me like there's less broad comedy than there is in Irresistible, and more satire. Yeah, there is. I think just the idea of an American politician just telling it like it is, is a higher concept version of satire than maybe kind of the, the broader comedy. And also the laughs in here, as I said, are a bit more politically incorrect. Like, he's not afraid to use quite provocative language in order to get his point across about how limp and ineffective the system has become, which is actually quite a refreshing change from, from some of the stuff that went on in Irresistible. It wasn't super successful when it came out, uh, and it's perhaps not uh, a household name, 
But actually, Obama, when he was president, referenced supposedly uh, in private that he'd like to go Bullworth now and again. And I think the suggestion there is that even the president of the United States, like Obama, found the system very, very frustrating sometimes. And he looked at a film like Bullworth and and kind of wished, I just wish I could just tell people everything (laughs) that's really going on behind the curtain and say it plainly rather than having to put the spin on things. I mean, you didn't like Irresistible because you didn't think it was taking a side, but it sounds like from what you're saying about Bullworth that it is still quite deeply cynical and not really taking a stance on anything. Yeah, I suppose that's <laughs> I suppose that's pretty fair. Bullworth I'm sort of recommending if you like Irresistible, but I'm not a massive fan of like either film. I think Bullworth is quite funny and it does tell truth to power. But yeah, I, I do grow a bit exhausted with this idea of him just ranting at who the bad guys are and saying how corrupt everything is, because it's it's not really practical. Same as Irresistible, it is kind of feels a bit like shouting into the abyss, and there's not really a practical step for change here. So it's not that I think that Bullworth has a better solution than Irresistible. I mean... Arguably, if anything, maybe Irresistible has a better solution because actually it's targeting something specifically saying that you you need campaign finance reform. And that's like a lot more specific than Bullworth, which is just basically saying that the, the whole kind of corporate system has corrupted politics. And that feels a bit like less doable. But like I said, I mean, like, I think if you liked Irresistible and, the, and what it was doing, I still think Bullworth's like worth a look. If you didn't like this, I'd recommend instead looking at The American President, a drama dean from 1995 in which Rob Rayner directs an Aaron Sorkin script. This film predates Sorkin's The West Wing, but this could almost be a prologue to that TV show which became a symbol of what American politics could be as the malaise of the Bush era unfolded in real life. The film follows Michael Douglas, a said leader of the free world, as he aims to get re-elected for a second term. He meets Annette Benning, who is working for a lobby group, and thus begins a love affair which comes under the scrutiny from the media and the president's political foes. What would happen if I called Sidney Wade and asked her to be my date at the state dinner on Thursday evening? <sighs> the president can't just go out on a date. I'm having dinner at the White House. I'm having lunch at the Kremlin. I don't know what happened. One minute I was calling him a mockery of an environmental leader. The next minute I had a date. Why is this such a departure from Irresistible? Well, this is a film that doesn't question the system, but is about public servants trying to do the right thing, despite unfair and undue pressure from malignant outside forces. This was made at a time when Bill Clinton was a charismatic, progressive president and not the controversial, ridiculed figure he became towards the end of the decade. While Irresistible is cynical and shows contempt for the Washington elite, this paints the people of power as patrons of values, using their responsibility for the greater good. Perhaps it was a simpler time. Within the film, Douglas has to choose between policy and the people he cares about. In the end, he's in the luxurious position of getting both, finishing the film in a stronger position. Fighting for your ideals and confronting your enemies means you win without any collateral damage in this political utopia. This is far removed from John Stewart's vision of politics, with each side being as corrupt as the other. If that sort of message doesn't sound appealing, then the American president's vision of hope and valour, triumphing above all else, might be what you're looking for. That sounds quite inspirational. I mean, I moan about Aaron Sorkin, but at the same time, uh, A Few Good Men is one of my favourite films, and Aaron Sorkin wrote that, and Rob Reiner directed that. So, 
I've never seen the American president, but I kind of want to see yours now as much as you want to see mine. Yeah, I definitely think you should. I mean, you can see their sort of siblings, really, in terms of their nature and their tone, uh, A Few Good Men in the American President. It's got really good performances as well. I think that's something I didn't really mention, that Michael Douglas is very convincing um, as this sort of Clinton-esque politician that yeah. Um, yeah, oozes charisma and charm. And you sort of, from the first scene, you really believe with him. And then Annette Benning um, and he really do have this really good chemistry, which the film will sort of like live or die on, really. Because if you don't believe in the couple, then you're not going to be interested in the film. No. But it's got really good cameos as well, from Martin Sheen and Michael J. Fox. And Richard Dreyfuss as well plays, I think, the, uh, the villain in it. So, yeah, it's got a really good cast. It's just a really enjoyable couple of hours. It sounds worth checking out. That was your first foray into if you like this and if you didn't like this how did you how did you find it yeah uh <laughs> i mean i when i was just trying to decide which film to talk about that was you know maybe at the opposite end of irresistible i sort of thought about aaron sorting in a way because whatever you think of him and i think he certainly has his critics um maybe, i'm one of them yeah maybe in his films he presents a world that's too ideal but actually i think after you come out of irresistible you have sort of lost a certain belief in the American political system. And actually, I think when you watch something like The American President, you think, oh, there are perhaps good people at the heart of it, even though it's sort of in a bit of a fantasy world. I kind of like the idea of a film that perhaps sings to the idea that politicians are idealists at heart. Because, again, I find that idea of politicians just being completely immoral monsters are really quite silly the the more that i hear it because i i don't think politics is completely broken so it might be the the kind of fable that we need right now thank you so much for listening to cellcast you can find and subscribe to us on spotify itunes apple podcasts and soundcloud as cellcast and come follow us on twitter at cell magazine and like us on facebook.com forward slash cell magazine